the procurement function is going digital, but do companies have the long-term vision to make full use of the technology that's available to them today? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The old line procurement department was considered essential to the business, but was valued chiefly for its ability to obtain products and materials at the lowest price possible. The message would come down from the executive suite on a regular basis, cut costs again. The notion of procurement bringing more value to the organization is of relatively recent vintage, and even now companies remain obsessed with beating down their suppliers on price. Now, however, we might be seeing a shift in that thinking. According to the 2019 Procurement Key Issues Research by the Hackett Group, digital transformation is beginning to have a significant impact on procurement organizations. Yet there's still a lack of long-term action plans and vision in that area, according to my guest today, Chris Sawchuk. He is Principal and Global Procurement Advisory Practice Leader with the Hackett Group. We'll talk about what companies must do in order to take full advantage of the available digital tools and how that's changing the profile, responsibilities, and skill set of the procurement professional. So here is my conversation with Chris Sawchuk. Chris Sawchuk, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. So, based on Hackett Group's 2019 Procurement Key Issues Study, I'd like you to tell me just generally, what is the profile of a procurement professional today, and how is that individual different in his or her duties, responsibilities, and place on the corporate ladder than before? Well, it's an interesting question. If you think about the profile, which has been changing over time, when you look at the profile today, what you're seeing is an individual or at least a desired individual that has skills in areas that may not have been as evident in the past with some of our procurement professionals. One of the studies that we did more recently was a study in looking at, as we look forward, what are the types of skills that we believe are most important and critical understanding the digital transformation that's going on in the environment as we look forward and some of the impact that's going to have on what we go do. And one of the things that we found is much more and higher focus on data and analytics. And I think as you look in the past, data analytics was always an area that we had an individual in our functions that would focus on that. And what we're telling organizations today is that data and analytics have to be something that all of your procurement professionals have to be comfortable with. It doesn't mean they have to be a data scientist, but everyone has to be more comfortable in not only gathering the data, but engaging with that data. And, and more importantly, lately, is being able to tell a story about that data and relate it to the business, those internal stakeholders, as well as external, that you're trying to tell a story around that data. What does it mean? What do we need to go do as an organization? So that does require a level of training or the expectation that individual have a skill that that individual didn't have before, right, in terms of just being comfortable with this data. 
Absolutely. The training that we have to have in organizations, and I'm not going to limit this only to procurement professionals. I would say that the data and the ability to engage with data and analyze it is something that we're going to see much more prevalent across organizations, regardless of the function that you're in. And so just having core analytical skills and understanding how important data and then as you go further with that, the information and the intelligence we get out of that data is to organizations looking forward. We're all going to have to be better at it. And so training is absolutely key in that. And an important point I want to make there is not just the training in terms of how to engage with the data and how to find the insights we need, but it's also training around how do we tell a story around that. I've spent more and more of my time recently helping organizations where you have some folks that have a good ability to engage with the data, but they don't know how to tell a story with it. And it's really not all that relevant unless we can tell a story and engage the rest of the organization in terms around what we've been finding in the data. Yeah, I'm fascinated by your use of that phrase, tell a story. Tell a story to whom? To top management? And what did what that story entail? Is it a profile of who your suppliers are or what's going on? I mean, what story is it important that we're telling upper management these days? I think the first thing that we have to think about is how do you find the story? If you think about the role and the sort of evolution of data, the first step of it is getting access to data. Several years ago, we wrote a paper focused on big data. And what does big data really mean in the supply management procurement world? Today, we're probably at a point that we're not necessarily at big data yet. Typically, if we're going to go find big data, we're going to have to look on the customer side of our house where there's been a lot more engagement in terms of bringing a lot of information together, which gets very big very quickly, especially in the retail marketplace. When you look at the supply side, many organizations are still relegated and engaging with the data that sits within the four walls of our transactional systems. What we're seeing is that over time, as we further bring in data, not only from other parts of our organizations internally that may or may not be structured, but they bring in the data from external to organization, either through our suppliers, through other vehicles, social media feeds, et cetera, which potentially could provide predictive insights in terms of supplier performance. That data gets very big very quickly. And so once we develop the capability of actually bringing more and more data together, we have to engage with it. And then the question is, how do we tell a story with it? I have a cartoon that I utilize with organizations, and I, it, it really what it does is it illustrates a very busy mall scene. I know malls are becoming less and less prominent across the American landscape, but when you look at it in these busy, busy malls, I have an illustration that shows all of this activity going on. You may have a mother walking with her children in one area and other people running in and out of stores, just a morass of activity. And so you ask somebody and you look at this very, very busy illustration. What is the story? And the thing is, you have to take and start breaking it apart. As you look at the various activities, what is happening here? How do I break this apart into the pieces that may be relevant for what I'm trying to focus on. And once I'm able to pull that out of this morass of data and information, et cetera, then I can start piecing together a story. And so I think it's two different things. I think one is how do I engage and really separate out this environment where I'm trying to pull out the data that's relevant because we understand an environment that the data continues to grow. And once we have that, then how do we tell the story with it? And part of telling a story is, 
what are we trying to get to and what are the kinds of insights we're trying to bring and recommend to the businesses that we are supporting and enabling. Right, but a story requires a receptive audience. And the problem is yeah. that a lot of the surveys that I see of procurement today say that companies in the procurement area, their number one goal is still cost control. It's still doing more with mm -hmm. less. It's like we need 10% cut in our supplier budget this year. That's what the executive suite is telling. And so if you're coming to them with this complex story that goes far beyond the mere cost and you impress upon them the extra value you bring to the organization, are they listening? It's told correctly, yes. I think that's part of the issue about telling a story is that if we're not able to pull the information that's relevant to them, you may comment that what they're asking for is continued cost savings from the organization, whether it's driving down the cost of my function and the capability that I built, or is it driving down the cost of the supplies, the materials and goods and services that we buy for our organization. That won't go away. The question is, is that as we look forward, is there additional value that I can create for the organization? What we're telling organizations as we go forward and understanding the value of data looking forward in our companies, and again, I made the comment earlier, it's not just in supply. We have an opportunity to really look for other ways to create value and insight for our organizations, for the businesses. Until we get access to all of that and broaden that to that data, and then we learn how to try to peel out those key nuggets that may be of interest to the business. And then we're able to tell them, I don't think we're going to get beyond the point of being able to highlight value beyond what we're doing today. At the risk of belaboring a point, your own research finds that procurement experts are expecting their budgets to grow at a much slower pace this year than in 2018. So that indicates a definite lack of awareness on the part of upper management about the importance of the role of procurement. Does it not, to some degree? Yeah, but we're seeing the any kind of decrease in any function. When we look at that across the board, procurement's being impacted at a much lower level than what we see in other functions. The research that we look at this year is actually highlighting, I would say, more of a flat or projected flat investment. So they're not necessarily taking away from the function. I think what's happening is that these digital technologies that are out there are forcing us. And let's just say I'm sitting in a function. I got 100 people in that function. Like everything, our businesses, our functions, et cetera, everyone's expecting more for less. How can I get more ROI return for the investments that I make? And so if I'm going to increase my ROI, either I decrease my investments or I increase my returns. As I look at that, there are digital tools out there that are allowing us to create capacity in our organizations to go focus on things that we potentially aren't necessarily focusing on today. So let's say I add the 100 folks in my function, and I'm looking at tools such as robotic process automation, building bots. Building bots is really a replacement of activity that is occurring today. So if I build bots that take over the activity when I sum it all up of five FTEs or five full-time people within my function, that's five additional headcount that I have that I didn't have to go and secure and get additional budget for. I was able to secure that within the capacity of the organization I have today. Now, when I take that, now the question is, where do I invest that? 
And I think this is the way that these organizations are able to say, now I can actually take that five that I freed up, in this case, through some of these RPA, smart automation, digital types of technologies, and use those resources to go focus on some things that potentially I haven't necessarily been able to previously. Okay, well, let's talk more about these digital tools, because when I hear, when people hear the phrase robotic process automation, a lot of times the vision that comes into your head is that of machines in a factory or in a warehouse. You're not talking about that. You're talking about Mm -hmm. these bots doing processes that don't involve actual physical robots by any means. So what are the bots doing? Are they taking in the data? Are they massaging and manipulating and interpreting and delivering the data? What is their job? Their jobs are really to take on tasks that are today being performed by human capital. A great example earlier on is that we used to place people to basically connect systems together. So for example, we have two companies that come together and merge. They have two different separate ERP systems. I have a choice. I can either build interfaces between those two systems or I can take an individual that will take data out of one system and type it into the next system, which you've seen with many organizations. And again, this is just one small example of where this can be done. But you would have people sitting in front of a computer taking data, basically screen scraping information off of one system, and then taking that information and inputting it into another system. And the way that we've taken that and say, well, how do we drive the cost of that activity? We tend to focus on how do we get cheaper and cheaper labor to do that particular activity? So what you've seen is this activity being put offshore, certainly in many of the low-cost areas around the world. Well, the next stage of that is you can only take it so far in terms of driving down the labor cost. Is there another way to do that? And so these software bots were built to basically mimic what the humans were doing in terms of this very repetitive type of activity In this case, taking information from one system and putting it into another system. So when you look at applications for robotic process automation, what you're typically looking for is repetitive activity that doesn't have a lot of exceptions to it that can be replaced with a software bot basically performing the same activity that a human has been performing for some time. And so that frees up that individual to do other types of activities. Let's take that one level up to interpreting, analyzing that data, you making recommendations to the humans. That becomes data analytics mm-hmm. and the like. That That is a more sophisticated process. So is that in play right now? To what extent are procurement organizations availing themselves of that capability? Well, they're really separate plays. I mean, one is taking over an activity that really replaces human activity. When you start looking at analytics, what you're looking at is augmenting human capability. And where you look at tools like machine learning and artificial intelligence, cognitive types of capabilities, what you're looking at is really blending these capabilities with human capabilities. What these tools allow us to do is to do things we haven't been able to do before. I've used this analogy for a long time. It's sort of like the movie Iron Man. And I would use this analogy. And when you look at that movie, you had Robert Downey Jr., who is the spark. I forgot his, his first name, but he's, you know, he owns Tony. this organization. Tony Stark. Yes. Yeah. He's able to fly. He's actually smarter because it's like flying with a supercomputer. And the common is, is that Tony is a very capable individual, highly intelligent individual. But when he puts on the Iron Man suit, it gives him capabilities, or I like to say augments his current human capabilities and allows him to do other things. He's able to 
better work with data. And it makes him, I would say, much more intelligent than he is already because he has this basically supercomputer that's flying along with him. He has strength that he doesn't have without that suit on. And so what I use as an analogy here, in that case, you have Tony Stark, who's a very capable individual and highly talented, who puts on that suit that augments his current capabilities and enhances them to make them even better. Same thing with artificial intelligence, where it can enhance what we go do. And so what you're seeing is a blending of human and machine. And you start looking at the capabilities that artificial intelligence and cognitive and machine learning bring to us as individuals, which is different than what RPA does with us, which replaces transactional repetitive type of activity that is being done and replaces that human activity versus augmenting it when we start thinking about what artificial intelligence can do for us. Well, at both levels of capability, you make an extremely compelling case for the use of this technology. And yet also you conclude in your research that there are problems in companies with their attitude, I think, toward this type of technology. On one hand, you say only about a third of procurement organizations have a really deep skills talent initiative. That's one thing you say. You also say that within mm-hmm. companies, the transformation focus is poorly aligned with critical development priorities when it comes to procurement. Does this not stand in the way of the adoption of some of these tools that we're talking about? Well, I think it does. To me, one of the biggest barriers to moving forward with a grand plan around what digital transformation is all about, it is an overused term. And I think we're almost getting to a point where we're going to drop the digital and we're just going to start talking about transformation and understand that transformation is synonymous with digital transformation. One of the things that we have found, and it wasn't just in this study, but we've seen it over the last few years where we've done several different studies, is that when we go out to organizations, we ask them about this transformation that they're going on with their organizations. And oh, by the way, you know, technology is a big part of it today. What we find is that those organizations don't necessarily have a vision in terms of where they're headed. What we find is that most organizations today in procurement believe that digital transformation will fundamentally change the way that they will conduct and perform the activities of supply management and procurement on a go-forward basis. We also ask them, do you have a strategy for getting there? And, And there's a percentage of organizations, much less, that say and state that they have a strategy. And then as we ask the next question is, do you have the talent and skills to actually execute that strategy? That percentage drops even further. What we didn't ask is, do you have a vision? And just in my discussions and engagement with a lot of different companies, what I find is we're missing a vision. And what I mean a vision is, describe to me, if we're sitting here, we're in 2019 right now, we're sitting here in 2023, describe to me what a day in the life of a procurement professional in this environment is going to be like. It's difficult for many organizations to describe what that day in the life will be. As you start considering the impact of all these various technologies, not just the technologies, but the data, the intelligence that would be available to them in a much more real-time kind of basis, what that life will be like and what gets freed up and really what is left for us to go do As we look even further out, maybe even 10 years, what's left for that procurement professional? What will be freed up and what will be left to be focusing on? And if you don't have a vision, it's difficult to have a strategy, and it's certainly difficult to determine what are the skills and competencies I need of my people 
to actually achieve something that I haven't necessarily put a stake in the ground and really clarified in a crystal way for the organization, and that is the vision. Well, we can only hope that the Hackett Group's 2019 Procurement Key Issues Study and future research that the Hackett Group does on this subject will help to drive forward the importance of this vision and its applications in the minds of top management and procurement organizations. But in the meantime, Chris Sawchuk, I want to thank you so much for helping us to understand the nature of your research and maybe what are some of the things that procurement organizations really need to be doing now in order to increase value to their companies. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. That was my conversation with Chris Sawchuk of the Hackett Group, talking about big changes taking place in the world of procurement. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.